0: Hello, I'm Jason, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon.
1: You should do the same, because the world just needs more GXG to make it a better place. Just go to genxgrownup.com Patreon to donate to the cause.
0: welcome back gen x grown-up podcast listeners to this the backtrack edition of the gen x grown-up podcast i'm john joining me as always of course is george hey how's it going guys hey you wouldn't be a show without mo hey mo hey everybody guys it's been nearly 50 years since colonel steve astronaut a man (laughs) and barely (laughs) alive got his yeah got his bionic implants and leapt onto our television screens that kicked off decades of cybernetically enhanced adventures that have had a profound <laughs> impact on all of media and pop culture to this day. So in this episode, we're visiting the offices of OSI to remember the landmark television series The $6 million <laughs> Man.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's in my head. It's been in my head all week as we're preparing for this show. There's so much six million dollar man coming. First, though, really quickly, time for some fourth listener email. our fourth listener is a very interesting involved one of our members over on discord inscrutable owl oh yeah yeah huh? yeah and he hit us up actually in discord uh in reference to the gen x stuff
2: we can't stand backtrack oh, a couple yeah. weeks back. oh lord yep yeah we've gotten in <laughs> trouble over that one yeah <laughs> we okay we? oh yeah okay okay <laughs> fuck off <laughs> Why is it always me that gets in trouble?
0: I don't know. You tell me. Why is it always you that
1: gets in trouble?
0: <laughs> no, I stand together with my brethren. It was us. That's okay. Still, many people enjoyed that episode. <laughs> Inscrutable Owl, one of them. Uh, and here's what he had to say. Just finished this week's backtrack. I'm wondering why you guys didn't mention the PMRC, the uh, Parents Music Resource Center, with the D&D panic. That is what I hate about our era. It wasn't the hearings. I actually loved seeing Zappa and Snyder tear into Congress. (laughs) But the fact that these old biddies decided to choose what I listened to was utter nonsense. Here they are growing up during the Beatles and Jefferson airplane and they say I can't have my Judas Priest or Black Sabbath? Talk about (laughs) hypocrisy. Great shows, as always, and I'm waiting for the next, as always. Cool. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't dig into that. We were picking the things we most hated and we had just a small list of stuff and that was just higher on our list, I guess, really. Yeah. He's right. That was also some bull, as George would say. Go ahead and tell us. What was it, George? Some
2: bullshit. (laughs) exactly right. Uh, right. You know, honestly, though, I don't remember it. So that's why it wouldn't have been on my list. Was that the people who did the parental advisory labels on music? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Fuck those people. That's some bullshit. (laughs) Remember they had like the, the Dirty
0: 15? It was like certain acts that they said were. Just like, I like had no redeeming quality, and they were just filth and trash. And mm. yeah, it, w- it was neat to see these rockers who you assumed were just mindless, drug yeah. infused hippies show up in front of Congress and go, My esteemed colleagues. And like, oh, yeah. these guys are about to rip into it. <laughs> yeah, just, you're right, Scrutable Al. It was another thing that was ridiculous, and we can't stand it. Just didn't make our list because it was a list, and we had to stop somewhere. <laughs> but fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you so much, though, for writing in. I know, Scrutable Al hit us up on Discord. We which is uh, genxgrownup.com slash discord. It's a great community of folks. I was wondering if that, he was going to get to it or not. I, I, got, there. <laughs> I got there. I got know. I knew you were thinking it, George. <laughs> a great community of people over there. They're very engaged every day. Or you can hit us up by dropping us in a line. Or you can drop us a line over at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Either way, read every single comment that you share with us. And most of them, like inscrutable owls, will eventually make the show. All right. It is time to jump into this backtrack <laughs> oh, God. right through this break <laughs>
1: <laughs> are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school
3: the future of work is changing rapidly and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them in each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.
0: Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know.
3: It looks good in this one. Cool. Roger. BCSI switch on. Okay. Rocket arm switches on. Here comes the throttle. Circuit breakers in. We have separation. Roger. Inboard and outboard. They're on. We're coming forward with the side stick. Looks good. Uh, Roger. I've got a blowout. out three. Get your pitch to zero. Pitch is out. I can't hold altitude.
2: Direction output.
3: Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better, stronger, Okay.
0: You guys know how much i've been looking forward <laughs> to talking about the six million dollar man oh yeah on the backtrack
2: i don't know why we haven't done it yet but we're doing it now <laughs> like your enthusiasm for 60 million dollar man always reminds me of the 40 year old virgin with steve carell <laughs> Because he's got the, he's got he the, had the Oscar, Oscar Goldman. Goldman. Right. He's like, like, is that Steve Austin's, Austin's boss? boss? <laughs>
0: and he's and
2: like, I, yeah, that's Oscar Goldman. What the fuck are you thinking? Like, of course he's it so is. so incredulous. Like, how could you not have it Doesn't everybody know that?
0: <laughs> Before we get going, I would like to know, I, I mean, I kind of know from offline, but I want to share with our listeners, what is your like knowledge of your relationship with the Six Million Dollar Man? How well do you
1: remember it? I want to start with you, Mo. So how, what do you remember of it? Oh, I mean, I watched it. Definitely, because it came on Sunday nights, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, um, it moved around, but anyway, yeah. it did. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I watched it, but honestly, it's like one of those shows that I watched every time it was on. But then, mm-hmm. we kind of when the show went away, like I never like went back and rewatched it. It was always something okay. that I just sort of just watched when it was on. I mean, enjoyed the crap out of it. Watched the reruns when they came on. Mm-hmm. Bionic Woman, not so much, but the rest of it I definitely kept up with. So, and I even had I had the doll with the you know look through the back of his head, <laughs> see through right. his eye, and all oh, that yeah. fun stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what about you, George? Yeah, I mean, I. I remember watching it but I think I remember more watching it with my dad cuz Lee Majors if I'm not mistaken he was like a an old western guy like he'd been in right. western mm-hmm. movies tv shows stuff right yeah and i think that's why my dad liked him and kind of liked the series now my dad hated science fiction i'm not saying this is science fiction but it definitely mm-hmm. has that slant with kind the of guy, is. bionic and everything sure my dad would normally not touch anything you know that's not real i'm not watching <laughs> it you know like okay <laughs> right. whatever but i remember watching it because i think he loved lee majors a lot and okay i just remember like certain sequences it's kind of like if you kind of watch star Trek and you remember the Kirk and Gorn fight, like I remember that kind of <laughs> <Okay. thing. laughs> piece from little $6 snippets. million dollar man. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, for my part, look, I'm not a $6 million man historian. I'm not an expert. I know it pretty well. <laughs> and what I will tell you is that I've carved down the things I want to talk about to about an hour worth of interesting stuff to talk about. <laughs> There's way more we could talk about in the universe of the bionic world It's a show that it spoke to me. I don't know why in a way like I remember I told you in the last episode that how much I was into uh, the space race and I enjoyed the space Legos (laughs) and Steve Austin was an astronaut and that kind of thing. So that was probably helped. But he's kind of a superhero. It's kind of a detective show. He's kind of a spy. There's and like for your dad, George, there, there's probably something in there for everybody. Sure. You know, he had hot girlfriends that people could watch for. He There was action. There was animals. There was intrigue. There was, SP, like I said, all that stuff. There was something kind of in there for everybody. And I enjoyed it initially. And then when I got the toys, I enjoyed it even more. That was one of those shows I would watch with my doll. Me and Steve are watching Steve on the <laughs> 6 Million Dollar Man kind of thing. They were just so cool. So let's start from a basis of how did the show come about and what was it about? So the basic premise that you'll get, you might have heard a lot of it in the in that opening sequence, the astronaut, a man barely alive kind of thing. So Colonel Steve Austin is an ex-astronaut, and he's piloting an experimental NASA aircraft. This is all in the pilot. Yeah. Uh, it breaks up. Now, Austin right. survives, but just- Barely. He Legally, he survived, yes, but he's pretty much decimated. <laughs> he's a man barely alive. That's it. Hey, should <laughs> have thought of that? And so against his will, while he's knocked out, they're like, hey, we've been looking for a candidate to use these cool new robotic cybernetic parts this guy is a huge trusted government employee let's use him rather than just let him die yeah he's the first RoboCop he was yeah Yeah. and and, and a lot of of parallels in there actually so they do they they transform him with these bionic parts he has a bionic eye Mm -hmm. and he has a bionic right arm and two bionic legs so you can imagine how tore up this guy was that that's all the pieces they had to do It technically transforms him pretty much into a cyborg. Now, on his recovery, he goes to work as a secret agent for OSI, the Office Mm -hmm. of Scientific Intelligence, (laughs) under the watchful eye of his director, his boss, from the 40 year old virgin, Oscar Goldman. And so every episode was him having a new case. So this was not, this was like The Incredible Hulk. It wasn't an ensemble of actors every episode. It was two or three key actors. And then whoever the guest stars were, whoever the guest stars were, he goes to a different place, a different thing, periodically. Now, the idea for The Six Million Dollar Man actually didn't start as The Six Million Dollar Man. There was a novel in 1972 by Martin Caden called Cyborg. Okay. So this was a sci-fi novel, and it ultimately inspired the 1973 made-for-TV movie of The Six Million Dollar Man, which wasn't called The Six Million Dollar Man at its launch. It was called the moon and the desert. So imagine what? he's an astronaut who went to the moon
1: yeah. and then he crashed in the desert and it's the story of his origin. Okay. Huh, okay. Do I remember the pilot not having the sound effects that they added later? You do. You okay. do. I, I yep. thought I did. Yep. Well, definitely. We can dig into more of that okay. a little bit later. But yeah,
0: those sound effects that you know, that kind of stuff. Those were actually used initially for a foe of Six Million Dollar Man that later they're like, that was a cool sound. Let's use it for bionic sounds. They were still kind of getting their leg. Like, it. Think about like Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. Like they're
2: figuring out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and they had quite figured that all including out. Including those jumpsuits. <laughs>
0: including including the, jumpsuits. Yeah, the spandex crap. Yeah.
2: I, I think I finally figured out why I don't have the strong memories that you do. Okay. 72, 73. I was two years old. Yeah, right. So what right. I probably remember watching with my dad were probably re- repeats of the serialization of this thing later. Because I doubt I remember For from sure. two years old.
0: Now what happened was this and some follow-up movies I'll talk about, those were ultimately chopped up into two-part episodes called The Six Million Dollar mm. Man and that episode was named whatever. So you would have not seen the TV movie in its original form. You would have seen that episodic, you know, chopped into a couple of mm. uh, pieces. Now that was very popular. Uh, it got followed up by two more movies, Wine, Women, and War and The Solid Gold Kidnapping. Now if you hear those, Wine, Women, and War and Solid Gold something, it it might sound a little more james bondy than six million dollar man sure yeah that's what they thought they were gonna do they're like hey let's make him very suave wearing a tuxedo he oh. just happens to have ah. these superpowers that was the angle they were kind of leaning initially for the six million dollar man but we all know where it ended up. He ended up being just kind of like a, just an all-around, all-American kind of quarterback guy who's super trusted and suave and lucky with the ladies because he's so handsome kind of thing. It <laughs> happens to be a super-powered cyborg. So after the hits of those three films in 73, the weekly series got launched in 1974. And as I told you, they chopped up those telemovies, the ones that were made for TV. They broke them up into pieces and they they sequenced them.
2: Kind of like Battlestar Galactica did with some of its stuff back then.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, because that was originally a long-form and film.
2: Rogers, yeah,
0: a lot of yep. a lot of shows did that back then. Yeah, huh? mm-hmm. yep. The show itself ran for five seasons from 1974 through 1978 on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. What this ended up being, we'll talk about it more a little bit later as we get into it. But we now have like these big cinematic universes. We have the DC Universe and we have the Marvel Universe. We had had television spinoffs before, but the Six Million Dollar Man started. What well, not cinematic it would be telematic, televisionmatic, whatever. It was mm-hmm. a TV shared. Universe. It wasn't just a spinoff where, oh, Mork and Mindy started on Happy Days, but you never saw Happy Days again. This spawned more series that interweaved with the Six Million Dollar Man, and they were really trying to create a larger universe and pretty well successful, actually. You mentioned uh, the Bionic Woman later, Mo, and well, mm-hmm. while this backtrack is not about the Bionic Woman, you can't talk about one without the other because they were really tightly interwoven, and some of the best episodes of Six Million Dollar Man were centered around the Bionic Woman too. So. That'll get us started. So that only took 15 minutes to get through (laughs) what allegedly is probably an hour and a half long discussion about the origins of the character. The one thing I will say that's really interesting to know that not everybody picks up on, unless you watch it from the beginning, is that Steve Austin, if you watch him regularly in the series, he's a happy-go-lucky playboy that takes assignments and does what he needs to Mm -hmm. do. But it was a much darker series at the beginning. When it started, he was very angry about what they had done to him, a la RoboCop, you mentioned, George. Mm -hmm. He was not happy with it. He was having some rejection problems that they had to fight. He He had this dedicated doctor, Rudy Wells, who was a recurring character, who actually was his bionic doctor. And he was not at all pleased. He wanted these things out of him. He said, you should have let me die. It was very dark and very heavy. It was not a kid's show. Now, like so many things, it's made it started that way, but it became a kid's show, a little more light, a little more airy, yeah. a little more fun, a little bit later. Uh, so we're going to get into not only the cool storylines that they had, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the amazing roster of talent, not just in the regular yeah. cast, but the recurring guests right after this.
3: Thanks so much for checking it out.
0: You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them
1: about us. They'll thank you later. The government spends $6 million.
3: They want to make sure they get their money's worth. Colonel Steve Austin doesn't let them down. If I didn't know better, I would think a bionic man came through here. He's the $6 million man. Hey! Better faster stronger than any man on earth he's the six million dollar (laughs) man
0: Before we go any further, talking about the fictional universe of The Six Million Dollar Man and OSI and all of that, uh, as we often do talking about media like this, it's good to stop and talk about the talent behind the camera, in front of the camera that brought this thing to the forefront. And so early on in his career, the executive producer of The Six Million Dollar Man, who worked with Martin Caden to convert his novel into a series, was none other than Harv Bennett. Wow.
2: Really? Star Trek Harv Bennett.
0: Yes. Became a legendary director. I don't think they called it back then, but he was effectively the show runner for the six million dollar man mm. he was the ep uh and interestingly we talked a minute ago about a oh man barely alive mm-hmm. that's Harve bennett's voice in the opening credits oh that's really? him talking
1: oh yeah now okay. it cuts
0: to richard anderson talking his quotes in there but the overall narration is actually the ep uh and Harve bennett went on to have a tremendous career as you said george with you know film direction yeah. and just yeah and producing stuff In front of the camera, you've got to start with the star. This is not the ensemble show. This is a show that had a star. The face and body and bionic parts of this show was Lee Majors. And and the lunchbox. (laughs) I've got one. Uh, was Lee Majors as Colonel Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Now we kind of talked about his background in the show, but he was, as you said, he was a, uh, an actor that was in a lot of Westerns. He had uh, guest roles and stuff like uh, Ponderosa and mm, Bonanza okay. and stuff like that. He had this chiseled jaw line that you can see in my action figure sitting on a shelf behind me. If you look, he had that leading man kind of, he could have been a movie star. I guess arguably he was, but on television back when the two didn't kind of they cross over kind cross of had that, it, yeah.
2: that slit eye kind of thing that a old cowboy would have as he's going through the desert, yep.
0: right? Sure. So you have Lee Majors. The next one, everybody else is kind of a recurring character. They were in most of the episodes. Uh, some of them changed around a little bit. Oscar Goldman, is that, is that $6 million man's boss? Yeah, it is. Was played by Richard Anderson. Uh, now, he was effectively the $6 million man's handler. Right. Mm-hmm. And he appeared right away. He was in the first film, or the, the first the first yeah, the film after TV? the first one, the, the second film. The, uh,
2: uh, That's how that works usually. The first film after the first one is usually the second.
0: <laughs> Correct. He was not in the pilot, but he was in the, the very second film, The Wine, Women, in War, when they realized this was going to be a franchise. They thought a film franchise initially, a TV film franchise. Uh, but he was right away cast as that. You can picture him. He's a big time character actor. I don't think he's ever done anything huge, but Richard Anderson, he's largely known as being that guy. Now he was, you could catch him in, you know, Twilight Zone and all those uh, Mm -hmm. episodic television series back in the past, but his big hit was really the role of Steve Austin's boss. I just remember his hair helmet. (laughs) Yeah. Even when he was young, he had these very distinguished wrinkles. Like he had a really like furrowed forehead (laughs) and he always talked to when he talked to Steve, he called him pal. Come on, pal. We got to go do this right? (laughs) because they were friends outside of work, but it was his boss. That was, that was the big deal. The next and really the only other longtime recurring character is, and I'm going to talk about the character first because of how it changed around is Rudy Wells. This is the guy who did the surgery on Steve Austin and made him bionic. Now, initially, it was played by character actor Martin Balsam in The Moon in the Desert. And then he switched out to Alan Oppenheimer. Like, you probably recognize that guy from yeah. a, so many things. In mean, the next two movies, he was there. And then finally, the one you recognize from the series is the shorter guy, Martin E. Brooks. He played kind of the foil to Steve. If he had a problem, he'd show up and they'd have a the one of the few special effects scenes where you have a shot of, like, wires inside of a puppet arm where you're digging in there and working on it. Mm-hmm. But he was the guy that basically invented bionics. It was his pro- program. And if Steve had any mechanical problems, he was the guy who would get the job done. Now, beyond that, so I have a list of people or a couple I want to highlight. And then I want to show you just the kind of rogues gallery highlight of list of people that made their way through this series. Now, it's important to know that Farrah Fawcett was in this (laughs) and played Major Kelly Wood. She was a love interest for Steve Austin for a while. Hmm. So she was very young, of course, as early in her career. She was in several episodes. Uh, But you might know that they phased her out as a love interest. Why? Because Jamie Summers need to make her way into the scene a little later to become the bionic woman. So she didn't stay in there. I also find it interesting that the guy who ran around chasing the Incredible Hulk, Jack Colvin, in the yeah. in, in that series, played a kind of recurring role in this. The same actor, Jack Colvin, showed up as Doctor Leaf oh. in a few episodes of the Six Million Dollar Man. Now, maybe he was oh, just making the rounds, and he just there was that many people to get out there and get up. Now, here's the list of people. Feel free to stop me at any point and go, how the hell were they in this show? But here we go. You ready? John DeLancey. What? Yeah. Stephanie Powers. Wow. Okay, William Shatner. Okay. okay. John Saxon. Yeah, that makes sense. Dick Van Patten. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Ted Cassidy. Lurch. Yeah. 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 Andre Rene Rusamov no, I don't one? know. That's Andre the Giant.
2: Oh. Oh, that's right. Holy shit. How do I not know his (laughs) full name? Me okay, but come on, George. How could you miss that? I'm like, because I'm still stuck on fucking Dick Van Patten being (laughs) in this thing.
0: (laughs) He was the first Bigfoot. We'll talk about the recurring episodes with Bigfoot. Oh, oh yeah. Andre the Giant. Oh, yeah. The first time we saw Bigfoot, it was Andre the Giant in that costume. And later, guess who? Ted Cassidy picked it up later because Andre couldn't come back and reprise the role because he was a big guy who was getting right. older at that time. Mm-hmm. And his joints weren't holding up. But
2: anyway, Marco Lemo, Ah, Cardassian Star Trek guy. Yep. Mike Farrell.
1: OK, Bash. Oh,
2: OK, Chuck Connors. Oh, Gunslinger. Yeah, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. Oh, my Ugh. God. George Foreman. OK, that had to be a, like a one off. <laughs> yeah, he just won the title. Yeah, and won. They go to These put are him all in guest stars. It's
0: not recurring. Robert Ito. John Hausman, uh-huh. Suzanne John Summers. Wow. Wow. John Colicos. Battlestar Galactica. John Colicos. Yep. Yep. Mm. And, and wow. also notably one of the three main Klingons from TOS. John Colicos. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Eric Estrada. Dick Butkus. <laughs> Flip Wilson. Joanne Worley, oh, Bernie Capel from The Love Boat, oh, Rick Springfield. Wow. Rick Springfield, oh my God. George Takei, Carl Weathers, John Hoyt, Sandy Duncan, Frank Gifford, Les Moonves, the guy who became the president of CBS was a guest star on this. John Landis, Kim Basinger, Dana Plato, Dick Sargent, Gerald McRaney, Dick Durock. This is just a few of the hundreds of people who went on to have great long careers. Well, I got to say one
2: thing. Yeah. At least Star Trek was the most rated franchise in that list. They had like 12 people that were in Star <laughs> Trek in one lot frame of or another. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Many. And now I didn't
0: know these people were. Now when I go back and watch The Six Million Dollar Man, it's kind of like watching you know, an old episode of, I don't know, any old black and white series and you go, holy crap, that's such and such. Right. And you see them young. <laughs> you've never seen them like that. Like, I didn't recognize these people back then because they were nobody to me. And now you'd be watching and be like, holy crap, there's Sulu. What's he doing here? You know, it's just amazing (laughs) to see these people. The one I saved for last and the one that kind of is going to bridge this segment and the next one is Lindsay Wagner, who played the role of Jamie Summers. Now, you mentioned, Mo, that uh, you didn't watch so much The Bionic Woman, um, but they worked really hard to make sure you did because they intertwined these series really, really well. So they cast her as Jamie Summers. She was a love interest for... Steve Austin, and she was brought in intentionally with the idea that they would have a little series. She was in nine episodes. Uh, she kind of came in and out. And she was uh, she was a tennis pro, she was an instructor, and mm-hmm. she had a parachuting accident. Right. Nice. And you'll see at the opening credits of the Bionic Woman. Now, what you might not remember is this parachuting accident. She was nearly dead again. She her, severed her spine or whatever terrible things that happened. And Steve went to Rudy Wells and he said, You gotta save Jamie. It's my girlfriend, it's my love, you gotta take care of her. And he was like, No, 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 no. Okay. And so finally, he talked him into it and uh, she had huge problems she was rejecting the bionics it was going terribly and she died huh she died at the end of her nine episode run toward the end of the first season what okay huh yeah however there was such a hue and cry from fans. What do you mean you killed off the Bionic Woman? This is amazing that the very next season, and we'll talk about these storylines in the next next segment, but they found a way to bring her back and gave her, her own own off and even further entrenched into this. But Lindsay Wagner then launched later the Bionic Woman that ran from 76 to 78. And she and her dog, Max, I love this bit of trivia. Nobody ever knows, but I remember for <laughs> something in my brain that is not being used for more important things. The German Shepherd. Why did they call her dog Max? Don't know. Well, her dog's name was actually, it was short for Maximilian. Okay. It cost a million dollars to make her dog bionic. So that's how he got his name, Maximilian. Wow. (laughs) And you might remember he was deathly afraid of fire and he would freak out because when he was a puppy, he was, there was a fire and he was trapped in his kennel.
2: So, all right, we've got the $6 million man. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. And we've got Maximilian the dog, but the woman is not worth reading how much it costs to make her the bionic woman. We just get bionic. I love that you asked me that question because I'm ready with an answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So Max cost a million. That was Lindsay's dog, or, or Jamie's dog, rather. Steve cost $6 million. They never say exactly how much it cost to make Jamie bionic. It's, and by the way, she does not have the bionic eye. She has a
1: bionic ear. Ear. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. she had moved okay. her hair so she like, could hear better. Right, exactly. How
0: do you show that she's listening? Oh, she pulled her her hair back right. because clearly the hair was getting in the way right. of the bionic ear. Right, you can't hear through <laughs> hair. But that's how they would show she's listening. Right, they played the sound. It sounded like a sounded like a like a sonar ping for a for a submarine or something like boop boop boop. Yeah. Right, but they even mentioned they didn't say exactly what she cost, but Rudy Wells even jokes one time with Oscar and Steve that Jamie didn't cost as much to to upgrade as you did because the parts are smaller.
2: Wow, you want to talk <laughs> about workplace bias right there? Holy yeah. crap! Well, she's a petite young lady. Cancelled in a heartbeat today.
0: <laughs> well, she was smaller physically, so that was the rationale. Mm. Now. This spawned, as I said, not just one series, but what's really ultimately was just two ep- two series, but they had ideas to do more and go bigger. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bionic Woman and some other really cool storylines that you may or may not remember. <laughs> from the Six Million Dollar Man. I narrowed it down to just a few because this is the next part that I could talk forever on. So stick around. We're going to talk about probably some of the most memorable scenes, series, and the kind of storylines from The Six Million Dollar Man. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Colonel
3: Steve Austin, the $6 million man.
1: Urgent. Your mission is to capture the spy. Quick, into the rocket.
3: And Kenner's $6 million man bionic transport and repair station.
1: Switch rockets to full power. Hey, something's wrong. The rocket's crashing. Colonel Steve Austin's hurt. Get him into the We'll have to check him out. Yeah, we can rebuild it. Check all bionic systems. Arm readout faulty. Replace modules. Any head injuries? No damage here. Stage computer readout A-OK. Operations a success. Check bionic eye. A-OK. Let's test his strength. Can he lift the engine block? did it. Let's get the spot. There he is. I see him.
3: New bionic transport and repair station sold separately. The six million dollar man, new from Kenner.
0: And speaking of the bionic woman, we are back now (laughs) to talk about some
2: memorable storylines from the six million dollar man. I just have a follow up to that last segment. Okay, what happened? Her parts were smaller, so they were cheaper. That's not the way technology works. I know. That's a good point. (laughs)
1: It's actually the opposite, right? Technology every
2: time it gets smaller gets more expensive.
0: Maybe it's just the raw materials. I don't know. That, that's, a, that's an excellent point. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, well, it's less sheet metal to have to make your arm. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, and I have the same problem with a $6 million man that I have with so many other series, which is fine, your arm is bionic, but somewhere it hooks onto meat. Yeah. And so when I lift the three-ton car, why yeah. doesn't it just shred my shoulder? This right. Shit. I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of explanation, some cybernetic fibers and carbon. What I don't know, but that's what I always think. Or he just, like or like when the flash wrecked rescue somebody why don't they just turn into like a puddle of goo because they've been taking a mock five you know there's <laughs> suspend your disbelief and never bother me then it shouldn't bother me now anyway so the first storyline the six million dollar man that's really memorable and ranks really highly among people is around the bionic woman so at the end of season two i think i said season one earlier at the end of season two when we meet jamie summers uh, she and steve are planning their wedding they're not just his girlfriend and they're planning after she gets her upgrades and her body starts rejecting the bionics. She has emergency surgery. That doesn't work. She dies on the operating table and they just like, oh, that was a great storyline. Very cool. He almost <laughs> found love. Moving on. Well, now they have this problem where they need. They decided to bring Jamie Summers back and they decided to make a spinoff for her. Okay. But they also don't want Steve Austin to be tethered with a wife or girlfriend <laughs> because he's an international man of mystery and spy and espionage dude, right? So... So there's this great series that's right at the beginning of season three, episode one and two, called The Return of the Bionic Woman. Okay. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Okay. So at the beginning, what happens is uh, Steve's bionic legs are are hurt. They're injured. So he's seeing Rudy Wells, as you would, because he's the guy that works on them. While he's there, he catches a glimpse of Jamie Summers on an operating table. And turns out Mm. they were keeping her cryogenically suspended until they could figure out how to keep Ah. her from ejecting the parts and bring her back. One of the
2: best soap operas. Opera reoccurrences. That's of right. That, you never dream. saw the body being cremated. Anything <laughs> could happen,
0: right? <laughs> so in these, in this two parts, so we find her. They bring her back to life. Surprise, surprise! You had to be for that. So what they did in this series, it was really gut-wrenching because they were in love. They were going to get married when she died, and it was traumatic. So what happens is he he takes her in this two-parter. In the first part, she comes back to life. and the second one, she's having trouble, since her death, remembering things. She can't remember. First, she can't remember Steve. She can't remember they were in love. She couldn't remember things about her life. But she knows she's close to this guy. You've seen these stories of like, mm-hmm. I can't remember things, but I think I know you and like you. You know, that that's yeah, like all she could remember. RoboCop.
2: We've talked about it. Again, it's
0: RoboCop. <laughs> I don't know what it is about. (laughs) you, right? So he decides to take her back to like where where they grew up together, where they knew each other as kids. And what happens is throughout her kind of healing process to jog her memory, her headaches are getting worse and worse and worse. She says, let me maybe I could just maybe I could just work through this. Give me a mission. Okay. So Steve goes along with the mission. Ultimately, what happens is all these flashbacks with Steve are hurting her. And they agree that look, you're getting better, except for when we're around one another, you're getting these flashbacks, which are painful. So we should get our distance from one another and not not even be Entangled anymore as a couple. So so now it's Hancock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But they had to have a mechanism to have them go separately. And that's when Jamie Summers went off and became the Bonic Woman and had her own successful series that I ran for I think two or two and a half seasons. and Not quite three, I think. It didn't quite finish up three. All right. So the second of my 17 storylines to talk about. <laughs> no, I just I just have a couple more to talk about.
2: Mo and I uh, will be back with you guys next week. <laughs> right. This is like the DD thing with Mo, right? You guys record your, hmm,
0: oh, okay, Uh wow, Mm. just record those and I'll edit them later. No. (laughs) The next one that's really interesting, I pointed out for a really, really important reason here, it's called The Return of the Robot Maker. This was mid-second season. So in the first season, they encounter this guy who is making cybernetic, not cybernetic, fully robotic people with like bionic technology, but they're using them to simulate other people. In The Bionic Woman, they had this line of robots called the Fembots, which were female versions of these robots again not very pc
2: exactly yeah
0: that's why they're called Fembots.
2: right they did not how many more modern movies are we gonna find out that were based off of something yeah they did
0: so in this one they replace oscar goldman with a robot so they're very convincing and i remember this one specifically because steve is very suspicious the problem with these robots is they're made out of machinery and he's in in the office of uh oscar goldman and he's kind of given this crazy assignment See if there was a pencil on the floor, and the, the robot steps on it, and when he steps away, it's just dust, like he's decimating <laughs> his pencil. And so he like, well, I know that Oscar doesn't weigh eighteen hundred pounds, so this probably. <laughs> but you might be familiar with if you had the toys Mo you said you had the toys yeah. you had Six Million Dollar Man you had Oscar there was another figure called Maskatron. I don't remember that one no? okay He-Man that figure holy that shit figure, <laughs> right? there you go that that character never appeared in the series but he was created by an amalgamation of these robotic people that simulated people in, in, uh, in the world of the Six Million Dollar Man that we saw many times that created Maskatron, this other character and what he is he's a robot they have different faces you click on him he has a steve face and an oscar face and a and a generic guy face that's just that dude so on the heels of that two more storylines that i want to talk about i think very pivotal and they're going to get Take your increasingly time. I'm more over familiar. On the
2: discord channel reading notes you doing other stuff so. fair enough fair enough <laughs> so
0: there's an awesome one now this is the kind of thing i think we talked about this in the incredible hulk it was one of my favorite episodes where the hulk ran up against another hulk that older hulk right right, those guys, yeah. right yeah 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 mm-hmm. So it's an episode called "The Seven Million Dollar Man." Seven Minute
2: Abs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> So Steve finds out, and he's very upset about this, that Oscar and Rudy have been keeping from him. They made another cyborg. Uh-huh. This guy had all four limbs replaced the bionic parts. So he had two bionic arms, mm-hmm. two bionic legs. But the problem is he wasn't a good man to start with. Oh. So. so
1: and it only cost an extra he, million to add a whole nother limb? Yeah. Well, and no well, eye. And mathematically, no. <laughs> that works oh, out. Oh, the eye. Yeah. That's the expensive part. Okay.
0: Well,
2: he, he had so, bigger parts. So now we've got the storyline from Star Trek of data and lore. You only got it. In reverse. Yeah, right. But doesn't wow. look like Steve Austin. It's a whole different
0: guy. Whole different guy. <laughs> so in this episode it's really neat because that guy becomes power hungry and he's like I'm a god I could do whatever I want and so he starts misusing his bionic powers and of course Steve has to step in I just I always think it's really awesome when you have an overpowered person and you put them up against someone who's similarly powered that's why superheroes have to have supervillains, right because it's easy to beat up the, the schmucks that don't have any superpowers but you had that so that was a really remarkable one the last one is probably the one most people remember but I'm willing to bet most people don't remember the story points George you said you remember vividly kirk fighting the gorn or whatever Mm -hmm. you probably remember vividly the six million dollar man tangling with bigfoot yep oh yeah 100 percent That happened more than once. We said a second ago, talking about the talent. Initially, they had Andre the Giant playing Bigfoot. So they did it twice. They did it in the middle of season three, and then they went back in season four and did it again. I want to talk about them both, but briefly, because one kind of ties into the other and how they did this shared universe. The first was called The Secret of Bigfoot. It was a two-parter. Steve and Oscar are in the California mountains working with his earthquake team because there's been these tremors and they want to see what's going on. Well, Bigfoot shows up and abducts the the scientists and they have to start studying. (laughs) Well, the first fight that Steve and Bigfoot have, if you've ever seen the Bigfoot toy that Kinder put out, he has a a chest plate that pops up and there's robotics behind it. Right, 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 yeah. Right. Like, why is that? So in the world of the $6 million man, Bigfoot has a clear origin story. He's actually placed there by aliens who are living in the woods. Wait, you said a clear origin story. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to be very clear. <laughs> okay. There are these aliens from another planet that are studying us to protect themselves. They brought a lesser life form, this monster from their planet, but they enhanced him with their version of bionics called niosynthetics. So Bigfoot is a physical flesh and blood being but like the 6 million dollar man like the 7 million dollar man like Jamie Summers he is a like motorized cybernetic robot monster there to protect aliens <laughs> so does he have a brain or oh yeah Oh yeah, he's a okay. he's a regular. Yeah, yeah. He is a hominid. He's just not as intelligent as higher life forms on the planet from well, wherever they like come. from. the
2: way you were describing him there for a second, like I was wondering if he was like an unmanned piloted vehicle kind of thing for the aliens. Like if somebody in the spaceship up above Earth was like walk left, right? Oh, driving left, him? Right. No, yeah. no kind of thing. Yeah.
0: He's like a he's a robotic bodyguard. He's out there protecting the aliens from being discovered. So he gotcha. himself gets seen, but the aliens don't. And so I think most people remember it's Bigfoot, but they don't remember wait he's a robot in fact at one point steve tears off his arm and there's all wires and shit that hanging I out remember.
2: of it like, yeah. I remember that. Now that you say that, I remember that scene. Yeah, it was all the metal shit dangling out. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Bigfoot's a robot. No, he's kind of
0: like Steve. And they're like fusion powered or something. And st- Anyway, it's, it's a <laughs> whole big thing. I only mentioned that to say that the really cool thing they were doing, and I alluded to this a couple of times, is in the next season, they did the return of Bigfoot. So it was season four, episode one. And it was, it doesn't matter what the story was about. It's just cool. <laughs> it's more about the aliens. It's more about Bigfoot. This time, Ted Cassidy, I mentioned, took on the role of the the, the guy in the suit as Bigfoot. He and Steve had to become friends in the first one. Well, as much as you'd be friends with a beast, I guess, but he (laughs) knew him and recognized him. Ultimately, what happens is Steve is trying to help these guys because they're saying we need help for our our planet. Things get way too complicated. He almost dies. He asks Janie Summers if she would take over the mission to save the world. (sighs) The continuation of this story is not on The Six Million Dollar Man. It's season two, episode one Uh, of The Bionic Woman. You had to go to the uh, other show. To see the rest of the story. Okay. They were tying these things together. And in a minute, we're going to talk about kind of the history and the impact of of this series and what it did and how they were planning on even more to happen. But television was changing. The landscape of media was changing. Uh, You're going to be surprised who was going to be the next bionic person. I don't think you would ever guess. It just didn't pan out. So, uh, listener, if you would like to know. Webster. No. Close. (laughs) (laughs) Close listeners stick around and you will find out that and more in the next segment
1: you know a lot can happen in seven minutes and luckily that's how long it takes me to tell a story my name is aaron califado and i'm the creator of seven minute stories i'm proud to partner with evergreen podcasts and i'd like to invite you to join me on this journey i'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style and together we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes.
0: If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com Patreon.
3: Rescued from the brink of death. She's breaking up, she's breaking up. Transformed by radical technology. We can rebuild him. Part man. Part weapon. All bionic Action. Steve Austin is the six million dollar man on the Sci-Fi Channel. Coming up next.
0: We've repeatedly been talking about the Six Million Dollar Man, the Bionic Woman, Maximilian the Dog, all all these parts of that. And many people, when you look online, it's just so hard to say the Six Million Dollar Man, the Six Million Dollar Man. It's just a blur. SMDM is how it's abbreviated. You know, it's like okay, uh,
1: it's
0: because that that's the shorthand for it, just like BSG for Battlestar Galactica, Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. you know, is the shorthand. But because the title is right right in the title, they talk about how much these things cost. I thought it would be interesting. We've done this several times before. Mm-hmm. Back in 1974, when they created the $6 million man, he cost $6 million. Right. Anybody want to posit a guess what that might be in 2023 dollars? About $20 million?
2: I, I think I know, but I'd rather you, since this yeah. is your podcast, yeah. I'll let you go.
0: Yeah. Taking inflation into account, it would cost more than $35 million to do what they did for $6 million back in 1970. Well, three for the movie, 1973.
2: Considering <laughs> what they did, that feels cheap today. Like today, yeah. he should be the billion dollar man. No you question. You think so, right? Yeah. yeah. Interestingly. So by
0: 1978, all the series were over. The attempts to launch other franchises really hadn't panned out. I, I think we even talked about in, I keep talking back to the Hulk, but I think they were talking about trying to spawn off a She-Hulk that didn't happen, you know, from the Hulk series. Mm-hmm. They were looking at other things that just didn't fully pan out, but it was still a viable franchise. So there were several reunion movies that was a very popular thing in network television back then. Wasn't mm-hmm. big enough to go to the big screen, but they had all these actors available to bring back. And so they had several reunion movies. The First one was in 1987 called unsurprisingly enough the return of the six million dollar man and the bionic woman. <laughs> Clever. So rather than being just a Steve Austin or Jamie Summers story, they said both of these series were very, very Apparently beloved.
2: Apparently now her headaches are fixed, so they can be in the same scene together. Appar- yeah, they could be in the same scene yeah. together.
0: Well, as you saw with the Bigfoot storyline, they could get together and do stuff. They just weren't romantically involved. They weren't tight like that anymore, you know. Uh, so that was in 87. Two years later, they did Bionic Showdown, the six million dollar man and the bionic woman. Oh, they fought. Please tell me they fought. Uh, well, there was some fighting going on, but most interestingly, this featured a young Sandra Bullock as Kate Mason, oh, wow. whose character became Bionic and was meant to front a spin-off series that never happened.
2: Wow. No, it makes sense. She didn't have Keanu Reeves with her, so... <laughs>
0: Well, she didn't need him to go 88 miles per hour. She could use her bionic leg. She could run. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, think of the parallel universe where Sandra Bullock is this new bionic woman going into the 90s. A 90s era
2: television show. She doesn't fit the part. She's you don't think too so? Soft. Her no. Her too demeanor. Her character yeah. is too soft. Like even when she tried to do the hard cop thing with uh, the other actress, who's a big comedian, even in that she couldn't pull off the angry cop thing well enough to make that successful.
1: Well, maybe she didn't have to be angry. Cop. It's just not no. in her. Oh no, yeah. Was that the
0: like the she and McCarthy together? Is that what you're thinking yeah. of? The, yeah. Whatever that was called. Yeah.
2: yeah. I know what you mean.
0: Uh, So we didn't get a spinoff, but we did do is finally the last made for television movie in 1994. They circled back all the way back to 1975 when they first got together. There was a made for TV movie called Bionic Ever After with a question mark. I'll I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. Yes, Jamie and Steve finally get married. They rekindle their relationship. So they have a happily ever after. They get married. They get Aww. back together, St- and th- now they're working together in the OSI. Yeah, Bionic babies. Or... So
2: now the phrase "I have a headache, honey" <laughs> Wait, takes on a whole new meaning. That's not how babies. First
0: of all, Mo, just because the two guys, people are bionic, they're not going to be bionic know that, babies. You know,
2: kid be born, get into a tragic accident, and
0: they have
1: to like <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know. yeah, the tragic accident. The father picks him up and crushes
0: his neck <laughs> exactly. Accidentally
2: tosses him over the house. Get him up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that ultimately was the last time that we got a bionic film. Now, interestingly, there is a follow up sequel reimagining that is in we'll call it development hell. There is a six billion dollar man movie. that has forever been attached to Mark Wahlberg to play the role, but it can uh-huh. never get off the ground. I would love to see what they do with the character. The last time I heard what they were doing with it, it was going to be kind of like tongue-in-cheek, a little more funny. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I would just love to see the franchise return to. They tried to do a follow-up Bionic Woman series. It lasted less than a season back in, it was early 2000s, 2005 or something. I don't
2: know. I, I don't think I would like to see Mark Wahlberg doing that role. He doesn't feel right for me, but mm-hmm. Matt Damon does.
0: Yeah, yes, he does. You're right. Oh, although he's a little old now, but I mean, like I would like to see a younger Matt Damon in that role. But, but yeah. I get what you mean. I get that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lastly, as talking about the legacy of this show, I want to talk about all the things that came out of this show. Look, everything about it continues to be used over and over and over. You were talking, George, about how, look at all these storylines and the FIMBOTs and all these things that were mm-hmm. pulled out of it. Nothing's new. Nothing the dollars Man didn't do already. So start with those sounds. Mo, you mentioned the the sounds. You had the yep. eye. <laughs> <laughs> you had the running, which is the ch ch I've heard this as recently as last week. There's a Coke Zero commercial with Lil Dicky, and he's fighting with this guy over a Coke Zero, and Magic Johnson shows up and snags it out of their hand. They play the sound effect. And now it just means someone powerful doing something amazing. It's kind of that, right? That's what that sound means now.
2: Does he do it in slow-mo in the commercial?
0: Uh... Maybe a little. It might be slowed down a little. Okay. No, that would make sense. Yep. Well, that was exactly how they did it in this series, right? So, of course, you couldn't run super, super, super fast. Mm-hmm. So he ran normal speed, and they slowed it down as if they had to slow it down to see him, right? right. So, mm-hmm. so many of the things came out of The Six Million Dollar Man. You had novelizations of so many of the films, and some of the larger multi-part episodes were released. So... Just like you see of, of, you know, Star Wars had a novelization and mm-hmm. Star Trek Star had novelizations. Trek yeah. These episodes of the show would often get novelizations. Comic books. Oh, we're so good. There's even moder- uh, uh Dynamite, the kind of the indie developer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They picked up, they have done like a season six of the Six Million Dollar Man, a series in there. They've done crossovers and stuff. Really good work. They take it very seriously and continue to do that. I have many book and record sets, like the LPs you put on the record and you follow along the stories of the Six million dollar man i had some of those when i was a kid and one of them was like he goes to save santa claus at the north pole it was really goofy but you got Is a character that where the scrooge scene came from no it isn't but that's another great parallel that they kind of <laughs> look back on <laughs> he does save christmas though he does save christmas right uh, there were board games that you could play i have several of the board games now they weren't great board games it was like so many board games back then it's like we got a goofy game let's brand a right. six million dollar man now one of them is called bionic crisis that you do have like bionics on cards and you have to make circuits and stuff that one's pretty good but yeah. but the biggest one and the one that you mentioned at the top of the show george oscar goldman in the 40 40 year old virgin <laughs> kenner Made a toy line that was absolutely when all we had was G.I. Joes that were 12 inches, and then we had little figures that weren't. Kenner put out this line of 12 inch action figures, and you had Steve Austin, you had mm-hmm. Oscar Goldman, you had Mascotron, you had that Bigfoot. I still don't have a Bigfoot action figure, by the way. They're so expensive because they were <laughs> lim, limited runs. They were out there. And usually they don't have that chest plate that I talked about where you, you see bionics behind your oh, chest. right. Like you can download a 3D printed repro, you can remake them. But they didn't stop, they had all the play sets. They had a mission control center they had a transport resta- repair station that turned into a rocket so he could fly <laughs> <laughs> and then they had replacement parts they had critical assignment arms and legs that they needed for special missions one of oh. them you attached in and it was a rebreather so he could do scuba missions nothing that ever was in the show <laughs> <laughs> just crazy different kinds of Kinner was making a killing on this stuff and, and frankly it was the last big toy line they had until they got around to picking up Star Wars so mm. oh, it was wow. huge 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 for them they had vehicles and land speed vehicles and all these different things and I don't know did you guys ever pick up that you have. You mentioned, Mo, you had a couple of the toys.
1: I just had the $6 million man. That was the only one I had. Just, just the guy. Just himself. Yeah. And he had like the engine block he could lift. You could yeah, push the his button arm, in his back. The skin in his arm rolled up?
0: Yes, exactly! Okay, Right. <laughs> you,
1: you can roll up this rubber <laughs> so on his you see arm. That. the, the, the electronics under it or something right
0: there's a huge community of people online will be like oh you have a six million dollar man we have replacement arm rubbers that are cut the exact same right size and the right length <laughs> wow. and you can replace them
2: <laughs> not a phrase i thought i would hear on this show but okay
0: yeah. yeah it's probably yeah it's replacement arm rubbers you're right that's seldom have i said those words in that order but only when related to six million dollar man
2: <laughs> Do you have any of the
0: toys, George? Anything that you ever played with?
2: I, I don't think I did. I maybe no. had a Steve Austin figure. That might have been the only one. I like Part of remem remembers that arm thing, but I don't remember if it was mine or a neighbor's. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah,
2: they're everywhere. I mean, the Steve Austin figure is one you can
0: easily get. It's out there. You'll find them. You can get it for... In so-so shape for fifty bucks or so, because they they made. There are actually multiple waves. If you're a big-time collector, there's the first version, there's the second version where they they changed from an engine block to a uh, like a steel girder he could bend and you know, some different pieces mm. that they had in there. What shape can I get it in when it's free?
1: my mm. crappy. I
0: think even even tore up it would cost you about ten bucks Or even just <laughs> a torn up no arms no legs guy because the mm. the mechanism inside that made his arm move that's a part that people have to replace
2: sometimes too. So if you can get one
0: that even the torso
2: just <laughs> So, so there's a $6 million parts community that you can make a fortune on. Apparently.
0: I think there oh, is if a fortune. You can fortune find it, make some money. <laughs> you can make some money. Right. Right now. It's, it's not going to be Dungeons and Dragons, popcorn dice kind of money, but you could definitely make <laughs> yeah. money off of them. Guys, I want to thank you for humoring me with my walkthrough remembering the $6 million man. There's so many more things that I could talk about, but I'm going to leave that to our fourth listener. If there was a specific part of the bionic universe that you enjoyed, if there was an episode that you really liked or something that we didn't talk about here, I couldn't talk about everything because Georgia Mobile only tolerate me ranting about a thing I love for so long before they do now. <laughs> Frankly, I think it was 10 minutes ago, but they stayed with me a little bit longer anyway. Guys, do you have any last thoughts or memories or anything I've talked about that spark your uh, thoughts about the six million dollar man before we go
1: it is we i don't know why i had this one scene stuck in my head mm. that he's in a car it's out of control mm-hmm. and he sticks his foot out the car 100 and stops it and then the guy 100%. says how did you do that he said by ruining a pair of shoes i don't remember the, i don't remember the
0: line <laughs> i don't know why i remember that scene that was actually very early very early in okay. the life of the six million dollar man and he was with a buddy of his who might have been one of the cyborgs actually well his buddy had been replaced or something Anyway, but yes, he definitely more than one occasion stopped a car with his foot. Yes, that
2: happened. (laughs) Yeah, I can't say that I have any memories that, you know, or any thoughts to Mm -hmm. bring up or anything. Just that I think it's great that we have this forum where each one of us has gotten an opportunity to to share something that's a big passion of ours. Like I did with wrestling, Mo Mm -hmm. did with Dungeons Dragons. Now you a $6 million man. And it's really fun because these seem to be episodes that we get some of the most feedback on. So Mm -hmm. even though we don't share the thing in common, there are very passionate people who listen to the podcast that do share it with each one of us.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I, I love that about the show, right? There's there's so many pieces of the Gen X experience. Uh, and this came out in 74, but as you saw, it lasted all the way up to the early 90s. I mean, this thing yeah. was going, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a huge part, even though it began before you, what, you were two years old or whatever you said, George. Yeah, so, right. I mean, I didn't watch it on film. You know, I didn't watch the original movie either. I saw it in repeats and it was chopped up and it was a huge part of my childhood. Again, thank you guys for humoring me running through the $6 million man. I love this series. I still will every once in a while watch an episode. I would say it holds up better than a lot of other series actually because it wasn't just like the greatest American hero, not just reliant on this guy can fly. It's not just Mm a superhero thing. There's intrigue and espionage and all that kind of stuff I talked about that anybody can find something to like in it. So if you missed it, maybe think about going back to check it out. There might be something in there for you. Cool. Before we wrap up this episode, I would be remiss if I did not thank. Not a new patron or another one of those things where a longtime patron gave us a raise. What else is he getting out of it? Nothing. Thanos, Tom, longtime friend of Gen X Grown Up and many of us we've known for many, many years. He was already one of the top tier patrons. He doubled his pledge to us and then Mm, some. That's amazing. I think he got a raise at work and he decided he wanted to give us a raise too. Man, I'm always humbled when anybody decides to make a financial pledge to Gen X Grown Up and support us, but I'm even more humbled when someone who's already giving, outpacing 95% of people and believes they want to do even more. It just makes me want to work that much harder to deliver on what it is that he sees in us. And so Thanos, thank you from the bottom of our hearts so much for how much you believe in, in the show, in us, And what we do, it's just, it's awesome (laughs) to you and to everybody else who supports us on Patreon. If you would like to join them, just head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon, click on the button for as little as a buck a month. You can join Thanos and so many other amazing people in supporting what we do. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. (laughs) That is going to wrap it up for this backtrack edition of the show. Don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks with another one. And next week is the standard edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, man. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you, though we all three appreciate most of all. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X grown up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.
1: Your uh, Basically, life sucks as
0: a It was on ABC, the American Broadcasting was channel network. American what
1: was it? C- company? 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 I'm like, I can't think of what it's called. Did they make another like a kid and a game like Bionic Legs or something? Oh, I don't remember that one, but I don't remember
2: every episode either, but it could be. I really I, want I to know you. how they make his bones grow. That's what <laughs> oh, like yeah. So maybe he's
3: fully you grown. Did, I don't
0: know. No, there's... A, you get an Allen wrench and just make yeah. a little longer. <laughs> week. <switch me> <laughs>